fellow ag nerd. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich, and I get to sit down every week with the founders, farmers, innovators, and investors shaping the future of the ag industry. Today's episode highlights two very interesting consumer trends affecting food and agriculture. And on the surface, these two trends seem to be going in totally different directions, but not necessarily, as you're going to hear from our guest here today. The first trend is the increasing desire amongst consumers for healthier, simpler, more nutritious food. The second is the demand for more processed food, which is stronger than ever and getting stronger. Now you might think, now wait, these are two totally opposite things, right? Well, that's not necessarily the case, and our guest today is going to show you why. Today on the show, we have Joanne Zhang, the founder of Phytoption. They're a food ingredient company which uses their own proprietary technology to make natural flowers work. Now that's flowers, F-L-O-U-R-S, so like rice flour or pea flour. They make these natural flowers work in processed foods as emulsifiers or texturing agents. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, what they're replacing, what's currently in many of these processed foods is either a synthetic or a modified ingredient, which is great because it makes that food more functional, but maybe not so great because it's maybe not the most healthy, wholesome, or natural ingredient. So what Phytoption is doing is taking processed foods and, weirdly enough, making them more natural. And as you'll hear Joanne describe, these ingredients are used currently because they make the food more functional. She gives the example of plant-based milk, using these emulsifiers and texturing agents to give the product the same texture as cow milk. Now, with Joanne's technology, these basic flours can serve the same functions without having to be chemically treated or altered in any way. One quick note before we dive in here, Uh, Joanne is in the process of spinning out this food company from Phytoption to its own entity called Flowering LLC. Phytoption will go on to focus on the pharmaceutical industry. So you're going to hear us reference both Flowering LLC and Phytoption throughout the episode. Just know they're the same company as it stands currently. Joanne had an established career as a food scientist before starting this company using technology from Purdue University. I was connected to Joanne by Amy Wu, who's actually helping me to co-host this episode. Amy is the author of a new book called From Farms to Incubators, subtitle Women Innovators Revolutionizing How Our Food Is Grown. Joanne is one of several women innovators featured in Amy's book, and I highly recommend you pick it up. I told Amy how much I enjoyed the book and that I'd like to interview some of the women she featured. She told me she'd also considered doing a podcast as well. So we decided it'd be fun to interview Joanne together. We'll also be doing the same with a couple of other women trailblazers in ag tech that you're going to meet in future episodes later this year. So I'm going to turn things over to Amy here to start the interview, and then you'll hear from both Amy and myself facilitating this interesting conversation with Joanne Zhang of Phytoption. Joanne and her team are scaling up the first of a kind natural emulsifiers that are filling the billion dollar food industry needs, especially driven by the clean label market move. Before running Phytoption full time, 
Joanne held director positions at large corporations, has a lot of experience launching new products, purchasing, finance, and operations. So welcome, Joanne, to our program today. What was your inspiration in founding Vitoption? First of all, thank you so much, Amy, for having me here. It's an honor and a pleasure. Regarding about my inspiration, I will say that um, I worked in the food and the chemical industry for a long time. After became a mother, I started to realize that a lot of the ingredients solution in the industry had been very single-minded, functionality-driven. There was really a driving force to develop natural ingredients. And with families, with all the obligations, there's just less and less time to cook at home. And we all know that, you know, maybe our grandmother's uh, food was the best or was the most healthy version of food in our life. But we have to accept the fact that um, we need to eat processed food because of the time restraint, because of the conditions, the life we're in. So the market is driving toward that direction. But on the other side, more and more consumers are conscious toward health. So the consumer consciousness is pulling the manufacturers to the other direction is to make more healthy processed food or even restaurant food. They use a lot of artificial ingredients too. So the consumers demand uh, in transparent labeling of ingredients, demand in simple and clean label of food actually is pulling the manufacturers to make more healthy food. And that was my inspiration to start my own company to improve the ingredients quality and then ultimately consumer health. That's really excellent. The, certainly the connection between uh, health and well-being and also in your inspiration and in founding the company as well. So within looking at the food systems, what are the challenges or potential threats are you trying to tackle in the food systems and what solutions specifically does Phytoption provide to those problems and challenges? Our team wants to make food more natural and healthy. Both packaged food, beverage, and restaurant food contain a lot of functional ingredients in order to achieve desired shelf life, taste, or texture, such as emulsifiers and texturing agent. They are almost in everything we eat or use. A lot of the functional ingredients used in food, beverage, supplement, etc. were synthetic or contain allergens, gums. They have adverse impacts on the human body. We have developed wholesome flowers to replace emulsifiers and the texturing agents in food while keeping them the same taste and the texture. Your customer is the food manufactured, right? So they're going to put this in the consumer packaged goods. Is that right? Yes, correct. Mostly they are the manufacturers. They are either manufacturers for food, beverage, supplement, and they could be manufacturers for some personal care product too. And so does your alternative to these emulsifiers and texturing agents, does it have to compete on price or are they willing to pay a premium because it's more wholesome and nutritious? That's a very good question. 
for different customers, they probably their preference is different. Uh, we do have customers going after that. This is natural ingredients, more healthy than other alternatives. Uh, we also have customers uh, pay attention to the cost of use, whether you know uh, it's similar to their current options or they can achieve some cost saving. Okay. And so as a consumer, if I want to make sure I support, you know, Phytoption or uh, Flowering LLC, will I notice any difference on the store shelves or does it help them, you know, earn some certain label or is it mostly happening all behind the scenes? Yes, you are so right. Most of these things happen behind the scenes that consumer will be hardly to see. However, as a consumer, we can educate ourselves to read the label. So all the packaged foods um, by FDA, uh, which is good that they have to list the ingredients in the food, uh, not all, but the majority of the ingredients, you can read whether it contains some um, strange chemical names uh, that definitely tells it's a synthetic material, or you can see the allergen label, whether it contains some specific allergies you want to avoid. And also, uh, you can spot some wording, like modified. That means it has been chemically treated. Or you can spot some names like gums, uh, which means they can be heavily processed or not from the Euro food source. Hey, could you give us an example on that? Like with the uh, the traditional emulsifiers and texturing agents, what might be a term that they would see? And then what would they see if they were actually sourcing from Phytoption? Oh, yeah, that's uh, let's pick an example. If you pick up a cake from uh, Walmart, let's say, most likely you will see ingredients such as modified starch. You probably will see polysorbates or monodiglycerides. Those are the synthetic emulsifiers. Uh, you probably will also see something like uh, different gums, uh, zensan gum or guao gum, uh, those are for texturing purpose. So all of those things I will try to avoid. If we work with the manufacturers, if they adopt our ingredients, they will remove all of those names, but replace with a flower. It could be a rice flour. It could be pea flour or chickpea flour, all the good flowers you have been familiar in the human diet. Excellent. I know you can't probably give away all the secret sauce here, but what's Phytoption doing to make it so that they can just use these normal, natural ingredients, you know, as opposed to some of these other chemically treated ones? You know, I would think if it was as easy as just using them, they would have done so a long time ago, but you must be doing something to them to make them, you know, work. What, what's going on there? Yes. There is a science uh, knowledge behind it. Uh, we are using a natural flower. However, the natural flower is a different version of the flower we can buy from the shelf in the grocery store now because although their composition is the, is the same, but uh, the making process is different. And we apply to different temperature, for example, different uh, moisture, etc. So that the end product, the flower, behaves different from the regular flower. And in terms of the science behind the product, 
I will say, you know, because it's sponsored by the National Science Foundation, it did have a lot of science backup in it. It's patented, um, currently patent pending worldwide. It's not easy to come up with methodology to make it. It was not easy even to think of using grains to replace emulsifier. I'm going to ask a very stupid question, but I just don't know the answer to it. I've heard of functional foods. I know you mentioned earlier, you know, functionally driven. What is a functional food or what is functionally driven? I guess I don't, I don't quite know what that means. Sure. Uh, here, when I mean a functionally driven ingredients, normally it means what the functionality the ingredient brings to the food. For example, if the manufacturer is making a plant-based milk. Normally, if you don't add any ingredients other than the fat or the protein, the water, sugar itself, then the plant-based milk will likely to separate into different layers. Uh, you probably will see a bottle of milk with fat on the top or some of the powder protein drop down to the bottom. You will not drink that because it loses the functionality, it loses the texture, loses the taste. I mean, as a consumer, you still want the food or beverage taste good or look good. And to achieve that, the manufacturers have to add functional ingredients to keep the texture right and to keep it taste well. However, as I mentioned earlier, the industry in the past has been focusing on the functionality itself, but not focusing on what the ingredient is. So they don't mind to synthesize chemicals to meet the final functionality. They don't mind to treat the ingredients with chemicals to achieve that goal. What kind of grains are you using? Like, where are you getting the grains from? I'm curious. Uh, we are actually just purchasing the grains from, I mean, when we were at the lab, research scale, which is to buy the natural grains from grocery store. Um, but as a manufacturer, we are purchasing the grains from commodity market. We do have uh, requirements on, you know, uh, responsible farming. We want the farmers to, you know, minimize the carbon footage, you know, minimize the use of pesticides or herbicides. But I would say in general, we get the grains from the farms. These names of the products that you're replacing are are scary in and of themselves. We see them on label. We're like, is that really what we want to be eating, right? Uh, but is is there also nutritional scientific studies that should give us pause about the data we're seeing from those products as well? There are publications in terms of a specific this is or this or that not good for people. If we can make a summary here, um, you know, sometimes because I heard uh, argument why we're doing this, especially when we meet someone outside of this industry or not very familiar with the consumer's desire, they may ask, why do we need to create all natural food ingredients? Why do we need to replace the synthetic or modify ingredients? They will say, there are already chemical ingredients approved by FDA, which means it's safe to eat, and they work at a low cost. But my answer is that 
we absolutely need all natural healthy food ingredients. I can give you some examples. All the synthetic ingredients, heavily processed ingredients, chemically modified ingredients, or the non-food source ingredients have certain adverse impacts on the human body. They either trigger allergic reactions, immune response, or interrupt the gut system's lining or the microbial health in the gut. Or on the other side, they can be absorbed into the body and cause burdens on the liver and kidney. So as a consumer, if you don't like any of those things happen, choose wisely on what we need. I was just saying, how did you figure this out? I mean, I'm trying to picture you in a lab. You know, what are you doing to these grains to, to make them to make them functional? Because essentially you're making processed food more natural, which sounds weird. It's, it's sort of a kind of a fun little cognitive dissonance there. But what are you doing physically to these flowers that's making them more functional? Well, it's really hard to explain, but um, let's wear the hat of a chemist just for a minute. We probably learn, you know, in elementary school that grains contains proteins, contains carbohydrates, uh, maybe fibers and other uh, nutrients. The majority components will be protein and um, carbohydrate. Uh, regularly in the flower, those components is just, uh, you know, in large particles, they don't touch each other, they don't function there as a molecule. But uh, with our um, methodology, with our processing, the protein molecule and the carbohydrate molecule becomes function as an individual molecule. So they show their own potential. I will say we unleashed the grain's potential of itself. And how has that transition been for you from being a food scientist to being a food scientist and founder? How's that founder transition gone? I will say that because my career, um, I don't want to disclose my age, but I worked in the food and the chemical industry for 20 years. I started out as a food scientist. I was a food scientist by train. But um, working for a large corporation, I had the opportunity to transfer between different uh, departments. I did marketing uh, operation, purchasing, finance, uh, a lot of jobs. And uh, after I accumulate a certain amount of experience, I think that I am confident to run a company myself. Joanne, can you point to a moment in your entrepreneurial journey so far that's just really made you feel, you know, excited for what you're doing or just feeling like you're doing the work you want to be doing? Anything that you could share with us that's like just you knew that this is what you wanted to do? I like to say that I'm really passionate about health and about food. And I feel that my family heritage has driven me in this direction. This is a story um, on my father's side. There are many generations of practitioners of Chinese herbal medicine. One of the philosophies of herbal medicine is that wholesome foods are the best medicines to prevent illness and stay healthy. Although in my family, the amount of knowledge and medical experience will last between generations in turbulating time in China, I feel the obligation 
to carry on the mission and benefit people. Has that always been something that has propelled your career or did it kind of come full circle as you reflected on your career, like what you really wanted it to mean? When did that sort of manifest itself for you or has it always just been kind of the driver for you? I would say that uh, I realized about my family heritage, maybe at the beginning of my adulthood, uh, of course, you know, kids knew nothing. So I didn't know about this. I didn't ask about this or even pursue about this uh, when I was very young. But gradually, you know, heard from my father talk about his father, uh, what he did during World War II, treat people. And um, he actually passed very young that he was not able to pass the knowledge to my father's generation, which was so pity. And uh, I felt so sorry about it. And I feel that, you know, this is what my family has been doing for generations. And uh, why we let it last. Uh, So I just think that maybe I'll just carry on the mission and do something about food and medicine. Well, that's great. So let's focus a bit on 2021, since half of 2021 is now gone and we have another half and beyond. What are some of the key milestones that Phytoption has seen so far this year? This year, we are raising a seed round for the food ingredient business. Uh, We are actually spinning off as a separate entity called Flowering LLC. The key milestones we are trying to achieve are to um, close this round and set up the production line so we can deliver the product to the customers. We anticipate that we can realize repeat revenues next year and uh, continue to scale up after that. In terms of getting investment for uh, startups in the space of agri-food tech, how have you found fundraising in the ag tech sector, frankly? Um, is it getting easier, harder? What's your secret in, in fundraising? Well, I have to say that uh, as a woman founder, it's a bit harder. <laughs> I will say that it takes a longer time and effort to build a trust network because you know that in this industry, you're a um, man-driven. However, I'm grateful that once people know me and know the company well, they treat us fairly. What has been helpful in getting investment for the company? And um, can you be specific on that? Have accelerators and incubators also been helpful? Yes, I do find uh, accelerators, incubators would help us to grow, uh, especially as a team. We learn how to pitch ourselves, how to pitch the company and uh, how to get attention from the investors. And also the accelerator, for example, we attended uh, GBETA, uh, which is uh, local to the Midwest region. We also participate plug and play on the West Coast. We're also part of the Produce DDX accelerator. So all these three accelerators helped. They either helped us to refine our pitch deck and made connections for us to introduce ourselves to and even introduce the customer to us. 
You mentioned earlier that uh, it's still a struggle and challenging because there's not a lot of women in the space, especially when it comes to this, you know, the sea level and the decision-making space. So how do you face some of those challenges? I mean, um, you're right. I mean, in terms of both the fundraising aspect, you know, especially traditionally with the investor side and also with the other side of agriculture. So how have you overcome some of those challenges and where do you find your network and community of women in this space? Yeah, first of all, in the industry sector, I have to rely on networking, uh, rely on advisors, the people I worked with, uh, accelerators, uh, potential investors. I already mentioned that, you know, we are very grateful that once people know me and know the company, they really treat us well and with respect and they provide a lot of supports. But I also found that at the beginning, you know, when you are trying to knock on anyone's door, being a woman founder, sometimes it um, does create a trust barrier and it might take time to really show who you are. So I had been uh, working really hard, to be honest, to people, you know, to keep uh, everything transparent, ethical, and show people what we have achieved. Uh, The progress is very important as well. And also show and um, tell people your insight about the industry. My experience in large corporations helped. And as you look kind of towards the future with Phytoption, you already kind of talked about maybe, you know, going more of the uh, medical route, but focusing in on food. So with Flowering LLC, you know, where do you see it going from here? We talked about some of the products you're already bringing to market to replace these texturing agents and these emulsifiers. Is there just plenty of room to expand in those categories or are there other categories within food that you see, you know, growing into? Yeah, actually, there are plenty of rooms to expand in the food and the personal care industry. The emulsifiers and the texturing agent is one of the major directions we are targeting. Uh, We will expand to other directions using the natural option to replace current synthetics options in the future, too. And as far as your ingredients you're using to make these ingredients, you know, it sounds like rice flour, things like that are really common. Are you also looking for maybe less used, you know, I'm thinking things like quinoa or, you know, maybe more rare grain and and quinoa actually isn't a grain, I'm told, grain-like products that you can use? Where I'm going in my head is like, what does this mean for the future of agriculture if you're successful, will that kind of increase the amount of diversity that we'll need to produce to make these types of ingredients? I will say that long-term, yes. But for the near future, as a company, we need to be focused and uh, make the first step happen first and uh, really bring the benefit to the consumers first. And then we'll expand. Uh, Like you said, maybe a variety of different grains, maybe a variety of different raw materials, So we will uh, look beyond currently what we're offering right now and develop a pipeline out of it. Perfect. And fun question here before we let you go. Is there any one particular food that you just would love to see your ingredients in? That's just like you're a fan of the food and you think your ingredient would be a perfect fit. I think that um, the plant-based milk now is getting more popular 
it does have a lot of health benefit. And I think that our flour will be perfect for those type of food. It will eliminate all the chemical uh, synthesized emulsifiers or the gum texturing agent. You simply have one type of flour in it. Will they be nice? That would be very nice. Some almond milk with some flouring LLC product. I'm, I'm all about it. Great. Thank you. <laughs> no, this has been a lot of fun, Joanne. Thank you so much. Anything that you were either hoping to mention or want to maybe go deeper on that we did talk about before we let you go? Sometimes I feel that um, I have the mission to educate the consumers too. Although as consumers ourselves, we need to educate ourselves. There's something maybe I know, um, but the consumers don't know. For example, it's really hard to develop a good product. Uh, It's not because the manufacturers, the scientists, they don't want to develop a healthy version of product. They just run out of options. Sometimes the cost doesn't work out. The science or technology doesn't work out. They have to come up with a not so good version of product. And actually, I have seen the not-so-good version of product like um, gluten-free bread. It contains tons of synthesized ingredients that I won't even eat at all. Or I saw uh, some plant-based product that contains a long list of artificial ingredients that almost defeat the purpose to benefit people. And I feel that not all consumers know that. And that's why I really encourage uh, consumers to be educated. We deserve healthy food. Everyone deserves healthy food. And we can demand the manufacturers to make it work. And with the options we put on the table like a flora, the manufacturers have the tool to make it work. Thanks so much to Joanne Zhang. I enjoyed not only learning about their solution and what that could mean for the industry, but also about her background and family history with uh, Chinese herbal medicine and how she's carrying on that legacy with science and with this new company. I think that was really, really cool. Thanks also to Amy Wu for helping me with this story and for co-hosting and helping with the interview as well. Be sure to pick up her book from farms to incubators wherever books are sold. Thanks to those of you who continue to support this show by sharing it with friends and on social media. It really means the world. And thanks for those of you who have decided to leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. We had one recently here uh, that says a weekly dose of ag tech. I love hearing all the new and innovative people and products we have in the industry. That's from Tay Pat 11. Thank you, Tay Pat. And we definitely were able to give you another good innovative company on today's episode. If you haven't yet, go ahead and leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It is much appreciated and helps direct other people our way. As always, thank you so much for your time and your attention. I never take it for granted. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. 